Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Surely advocate you do so. Talk Recorded live. My bad. I forgot to hit the record button. <laughs> Well, ladies and gentlemen, I guess that's a good opportunity to say we are now live here on Work and Shoot, the official radio broadcast of uh, Three Crazy Men with a Dream. And uh, those of you that never got we are back, man. We are back by popular demand after a nearly two-and-a-half-year absence. We thank you for joining us here once again for another voyage. Um, those of you that weren't around before, well, long story in a nutshell, ladies and gentlemen, we uh, taught Work and Shoot was a program hosted on a different platform back in 2016, hosted by myself, Zachary Harris, who is here today, and our dear good friend, Mike Bruno, who uh, unfortunately is not here. Uh, he's still here here. I mean, when I say he's no longer with us, he's certainly alive and well and kicking ass and taking names in Florida, down in uh, southern Florida, in the Miami area. And uh, who knows, man, we'll probably have Bruno back on air with us kicking ass and taking names sooner rather than later. But for tonight, you've got Zach and I, two-thirds of the baddest party on God's green earth, joining you to talk all things sports, professional wrestling, and much, much more. And, uh, hey, we're back, man. It's been a long time coming, but uh, it is certainly, certainly good to be back on the podcast airways and back with people I truly enjoy, not just doing radio with, but as human beings, and including my guest, my host at this time, the man, the myth, the legend himself, now in Orlando, Florida, by way of Baltimore, Maryland, the hottest thing that hit Southern Florida since Mickey fucking Mouse. He is Zach Harris. Zach, what's going on, my brother? Uh, nothing much, Jay. Actually, I'm in Central Florida, but hopefully I'll make my way down to, to Southern Florida sooner than later. It's a three-hour oh. drive, but, you know. Well, my goal is to get the hell out of this trap. It's it's 190-some-odd <laughs> degrees here in Arizona. You never know, dude. Maybe one of these days soon, coming soon to a theater near you, we might be going live. All three of us from South Florida, me, you, and Mike Bruno, or at least live from the Sunshine State. But, uh, man, it's been a long time coming. Last time we were on air here, for those of you that, that followed, you'll remember that Zach was still in Baltimore. Uh, Mike, of course, was just getting ready to, to partake in his next professional fight in MMA. And uh, I was hosting a radio show on NBC Sports. One of these things still remains intact. I'm still on NBC Sports, even though I'm on a bit of a temporary hiatus from the MMA show. I'm still doing other stuff with NBC Sports Radio here in Phoenix. I was still gainfully employed by them. Um, but Zach is no longer in Baltimore, and Mike has moved from the octagon slash cage to Hollywood, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, doing some stuff in the big screen. So uh, times have changed in the last two years since we've been on I think it's been two years, right, Zach, since we were last on air? Probably. I mean, I know Bruno's down in, in Miami filming something for Netflix right now, and uh, from what I hear, he's going to be the the lead. God, ain't that funny how life has changed, man. Mike is now going to be a Netflix superstar. I said one day we might be doing a radio show coming soon to a, to a theater near you. I don't know, Mike Mike doing the Netflix thing, he might he might tell us to, to go uh, take a leak of a post or something. But uh, no, good for him, though, man. Uh, Mike is, is truly... And let me tell you, folks, I'm saying this and truly from the bottom of my well-being, the bottom of my heart. Um, I've met a lot of people in MMA in my over decade plus in, in covering this sport as a commentator. And I have met, I've met some good. I've met some, a whole lot of bad. I've met a whole lot of fake. Yet i got to say, though, Mike Bruno is one of the best people I've met in this sport. And I mean that truly and sincerely. And I hope he is listening to this. Mike, I love you, brother. I miss having you on here. And, uh, Everything you've got coming to you, you deserve. You and Ryan Quinn both, who, by the way, has had a hell of a week. Uh, I'm not supposed to mention on air, and I won't what he's going through. I've, I'm sort of in a vow of silence, but I am just, just over the moon. I, I don't even have words to explain how happy I am for those gentlemen because they are truly two of the best individuals I've ever met, and I'm not just talking MMA. By far, in a sport full of scumbags and cutthroats, uh, those two stand out as being true blue, genuine human beings, two of the best you'll ever meet. So while we're on the topic of MMA, uh, I know we're going to be a little bit late to the bus on that, you know, late to the party on this one, 
But your take on all the stuff that has happened with, uh, you know what? We'll, 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 we'll jump into Connor. Like, like, what your what's your take on that on, on the McGregor uh, issue? You know what, Zach? I, I find it absolutely ridiculous. I find it shameful that the UFC still keeps him gainfully employed because he is a money maker. And uh, you know, to me, I'm telling you right now, if this was anyone else. I mean, if Bruno was on any UFC roster and did this, he would have been fired on the spot. So would have Quinn, so would have anybody else that is currently gainfully employed. Let me promise you, and it doesn't matter if Champ or not, if Stipe Miocic pulled this stunt, he'd be fired right on the spot. Of course, Stipe doesn't need to relegate himself to acting like a, like a, like a, a C-level jackass. Um, I find it all shameful, though. I find it shameful that, once again, Conor McGregor is, is allowed to run amok, Zach, because he draws asses and puts eyeballs on, on TV sets and butts and seats. It, it sends a terrible message, Joe, to the rest of the roster that, look, we're expected to conduct ourselves uh, on a dignified professional level. God help us if we speak out of course because we're, uh, you know, we're disrespecting the, the, the company we work for. But you've got this guy throwing, you know, throwing shit through bus windows and, and, you know, just making a general fool of himself in front of the public eye that, by the way, cost three people their fights on one of the biggest pay-per-views that was slated to happen that year. It's just, it's shameful. It's shameful that this guy, once again, can do anything and get away with it, yet he can't even defend his belt. We see people stripped for not defending their belts in six months, Tony Ferguson, yet this guy has never defended his head light heavyweight title, lightweight title, and he's still allowed to go out and box and make movies and appear in rest. It's, it's, it's shameful. It's shameful Conor McGregor's behavior, and it's shameful that the UFC allows it to continue to happen. Now, going on shameful also in the MMA, uh, I guess the MMA realm, or vortex, vacuum, if you want to call it, I read a news story that uh, disgraced NFL lineman Greg Hardy is supposed to be uh, going on the – now. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, going on the, the Contender Series on UFC Fight Pass? That's correct. He'll actually be appearing on this, uh, in this, uh, I believe it's season two or three of the series. He will be fighting on that show where a UFC contract is on the line. And again, it stands out here, Zach. You've got so many professional fighters out there. And despite what I've said, that there are a lot of cutthroats in this sport. And there are, look, there are a lot of people out there who have paid their dues and have fought for, for years for an opportunity like this. You have Nick Newell, for prime example, who, by the way, is a good guy. I mean, you know, he's not one of the bay. You got guys like Nick Newell, who have done this for a decade or more, fought in every outpost on God's green earth for, for 500 bucks in gas money that can't get this opportunity, yet you've got this scourge, this this this, this Greg Hardy, who who was making millions of dollars in the NFL, uh, you know, had a had a... A, a, a job that we all would jump through hoops for, yet couldn't keep his personal life. He couldn't keep his hands to himself is basically the long story short. And to me, I'm sorry, you never, ever lay your hands on a female in a violent-induced manner, no matter, unless your life is absolutely on the line. She's got a gun to your head. She's got a knife. Then you knock it out of her hand. You don't ever beat the hell out of your girlfriend. There is no excusing what this scumbag did, yet here he is after two fights, Two fights, amateur fights, which, by the way, were lineup gimme fights against guys that had no business being in there. Yet this guy gets to fight on a contender series. And mark my words on this, mark my words, unless he goes out there and completely embarrasses himself, he's getting a UFC contract because he's Greg Hardy. This is what the sport's become. It's become who puts butts in seats and who puts eyeballs on the TV set that get you places, not who the best fighters are like it was back in the day. I I have to I have to agree with you on that. You know me, I'm not the most versed uh, MMA person, but the, the one of the names that 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 you know pops out to me like to put butts in seats was you know Josh Barnett and uh, and Tito and Ken Shamrock and people like that. Legit badasses, by the way. Yeah, Anderson Silva, George St. Pierre. My good dear friend Marcus Davis, another one of the true good guys of MMA. I these are people that put asses in seeds, Zach, because they went out there and they performed. They went out there, they had personality, they had character, but they went out and they fought. They performed. They stayed. They did it the right way. It's okay to have a character. I get it. Look, this is a business too. 
It's a business. You can have character. You can have a personality that people gravitate behind. And Conor McGregor, you know, before all this shenanigans, he has that gravitational pull to him. Yet, you know, my concern and what's happening with the UFC is all the, the sport is becoming, let's get the people in there who, who are getting eyeballs or getting attention for all the wrong reasons. Conor McGregor doesn't need to do this gibberish, and they sure don't need Greg Hardy because there's a million fighters out there with personality for days that, that, that live a good, clean lifestyle. I'll measure Ryan Quinn's personality, and I'll measure Ryan Quinn as a man over Greg Hardy any day of the week and twice on Sundays. Ryan is more of a man and more of a, more of a personality than Greg Hardy will ever be. Do you know how many UFC fights Ryan has? Um. I know he's been in he's, he's phenomenal in Bellator. He's nine and eight and one, nine and one. Which, by the way, you know, there's another one. This guy's had to practically kill to get recognized by Bellator. Almost, uh, he's got uh, what ten fights in the promotion. Finally, got on TV in his, you know, in his eighth. I mean, this guy, they, they, you know, why this guy hasn't been given a long-term contract a while ago is beyond me. But Quinn has zero UFC fights to his name. Zero, none. Same amount as you and I do, Zach. You know, and yet you've got Greg Hardy, who's got two amateur fights to his name against against guys that, you know, probably guys he pulled out of the local bar somewhere for him to beat up on, who's getting a contract because he's a controversial personality. That's what I don't like about what the sport's becoming. It's becoming about putting asses in seats for all the wrong reasons. Not like it was when Tito fought another great guy or when, you know, Anderson Silva or the names you mentioned. They all did it the right way, and they got recognized accordingly. What we're seeing now is a joke. I, you know what? You pretty much sum everything up with that I want to say. You, you are correct. I think it is a it is it's a money grab. That's 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 pretty much what it is. And then we have the uh, the, the the rumored you know second fight with with Connor and and Mayweather, which I don't think is happening. But they're going to amend the rules to, so that it's just like boxing. Yeah. So, so we're getting a rematch of a boxing fight that Floyd Mayweather danced with Conor for 10 rounds before finally knocking him out. We get that in MMA? That's what the UFC has become? That's Give me a I break. Then again, I could be wrong. You know more than I do. So. No, you're absolutely right. I've seen, you know, there's been graphics that have been floated around social media that absolutely state this is going to happen. And believe me when I tell you, with the way the UFC's become, Zach, I, I'm not going to be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all if these are 100% the truth because they want that money grab. They want that Mayweather fight in the octagon. They're, they want Mayweather McGregor in the octagon after we saw it in boxing. And take it for what it's worth, Mayweather and McGregor as a boxing fight, I mean, they, they shattered they shattered pay-per-view buy records in a time where pay-per-view buys are at an all-time low. UFC wants that grab. Yet, you know, never mind the fact that we've got a lightweight division that is stacked to the gills that this guy had held the belt hostage for for a long time. You want to make a belt that you want to, you want to get superstars UFC? Quit pandering the one. Go ahead and give us the fight that we deserve to see, the fight that this man deserves. Give us a B versus Conor McGregor mm-hmm. and get it over with, although I know you won't do that because you're afraid of your cash cow getting his brain scrambled in, which is exactly what's going to happen when he gets in there with Habib. Habib's going to maul him. He's going to strangle him. He's going to beat the piss out of him, and then your boy's going to get you know have another loss to his name to a guy that you really don't give a fuck about promoting. So, you know, that's... But that's why they won't do that. And instead, we'll get this nonsense, this gibberish, another boxing fight between him and Floyd Mayweather that's going to have MMA rules that, by the way, Conor will probably lose again. So welcome to the, welcome to UFC Circle 2018. Yeah, um, and, and to put in disclaimer, like, we are not knocking fighters. We are not knocking the sport. We're just knocking the the promotional uh, the promotional tactics. Yeah, yeah, the promotion tactics. That, that's what it is. You know, no, I, I, look, I love this sport. I've loved this sport. Zach, you've known me a long time now. I was a fan of this sport before, ever before it became popular. I was a fan of this sport before Ronda. I was a fan of this sport before Brock came into it. I was a fan well before McGregor came into it. I was following this sport back when, you know, it, it was lucky. I mean, I remember UFC, uh, the first ever live pay-per-view or live UFC event on, on public television when it was on Fox Sports 1 and it had Robbie Lawler in it. That's how long I go back. I remember the first Ultimate Fighter. Hell, I remember Ken Shamrock before he went to the WWE the first time. 
All right, we're going way back to the beginning. I'm not a fad fan. I love this sport. I, there are a lot of people in this that I'm not crazy about, but let me tell you, I've also met an equal amount more that are some of the finest human beings you will ever meet. I, I've met people that I consider family. I love this sport. I love the people, a lot of the people in it, but I hate the direction that it's going in. It makes me sick. So this is no knock on the people in the sport. And you know what? This ain't even a knock on the UFC, Zach, because I understand why they're doing it. It's business. They're trying to get asses in the seat, and their current model isn't working. I just wish that they would realize they, they would go back to what got them to the dance and let these people promote themselves instead of, you know, going by. This isn't even WWE tactics, Zach. This is, this is Jerry Springer bullshit, and that's what I, I feared the sport would become. I, I understand. I totally understand that. And, you know, it's going back and forth with, with hey, like, do you do it this way? Do you do it that way? It, it's very different. It's a different time, quote, unquote. Everyone wants to, you know, everyone everyone shares everything within one mouse click, and it goes viral. Like, you, you see a knockout of some schlub in, in, in you know, in, in North Dakota against, some guy who came in from from Minnesota, and the guy from Minnesota is like getting all this attention because he kicked the dude in, in the face and his face fell off. You know? Yeah, right, right, exactly. Kardashian level bullshit. You know? <laughs> and that's that's and I know you know that the funny thing is I've I've heard people say this to me a lot when I've criticized the, the current UFC model. But Jay, you like the WWE. There's a big difference. Yeah, I'm a diehard pro wrestling fan. I've been a diehard pro wrestling fan since 83, okay? I, I, I like to consider myself fairly versed. And, again, this is no knock on wrestling. When I watch wrestling, I want to see wrestling. I want to see entertainment. I want to see stuff like this. UFC is not supposed to be wrestling. UFC is supposed to be sport. This is a promotion that bases itself off being right up there with the National Football League and right up there with, uh, with, with uh, you know, the, the Major League Baseballs and, and the NBAs of the world. So, you know, this, I don't want to see professional wrestling tactics in an, on a professional sport. I do want to see professional wrestling in professional wrestling, period. <laughs> I, I, totally, I totally, totally agree with you on that. Now, we're, I'm, I want to switch, uh, switch uh, uh, topics for 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 a little bit, I want to I want to go to NHL because uh, your Penguins and my Caps are meeting again for what the third <laughs> year in a row. Yeah, and I'm not, seeing us yet, and I'm not liking it. <laughs> well, let me tell you, man, uh, you guys dodged a real bullet in the last round. Uh, I mean, Columbus had died. I give Washington a ton of credit. Yeah, I know my Penguins fans are going to ride me like Seattle Slew for saying that, but. Columbus had the, had the Caps on the ropes. They had the Caps on the ropes, and the Caps, you know, really, they, they nutted up. They stepped up to the plate. They managed to win the series after being down 0-2. And that, that Columbus team's a pretty good team. They're not a, a bad – they're a good team by um, – I'm going to just say this about the series. Uh, the Penguins will live or die based off of what Matt Murray does. If Matt Murray is at his best, I think this team wins Stanley Cup number six. If Matt Murray's at its worst – you guys win straight up. You guys will be. You, they won't get past Washington because the Capitals are too damn good. And by the way, their goaltending is too stout. You got not only one good goalie, you've got two two very good ones with Braden Holtby and Philip Gebauer. Uh, and that were Murray. Murray can't make the mistakes he made against uh, Philadelphia or like he's made during at points in the season. He just can't get away with it because Washington's too damn good. I gotta agree with you on that. Um, again, I, I'm not much of a hockey guy, but when it comes to like the playoffs and I get my my updates, I, you know, I'm I'm hoping that that the Caps make this a, an exciting seven game series. I really do. I want to see this game. I want to see this go back and forth to the last game. That's what I want to see. I want to see exciting. I want to see. Everyone just knocking the piss out of each other. Well, not knocking the piss out of each other, but, you know, a, a good tough I game. I know what you mean. Yeah. You want to see old school hockey where these guys are, you know, they're knocking each other on their butts. No, you're not wishing injury upon nobody. You're looking to see good, clean, but physical hockey. And a series that people are going to want to talk about, look, I don't want to see a sweep either. And I don't think – look, I think these two teams are too damn talented to see a sweep. I think Washington – 
if this series, I think it's going to go I uh, no less than six games regardless um, because I think these two teams are, are both talented. They're both evenly matched. And, uh, you know, I think that they're both – look, Washington wants to get past that hurdle. Washington wants nothing more than to get past that hurdle because, let's be honest, and, again, no knock on the Capitals here, but you've got to wonder, is the window of opportunity – for Ovechkin to even appear in a Stanley Cup, let alone win one, is that window of opportunity beginning to to diminish? I mean, because let's be honest, he's what thirty, thirty-one years old, not ancient, but the guy's been around the league a long time now, uh, and you only have such a window to win before it gets closed. And the rest of the leagues, to be honest, the rest of the leagues getting a lot better. Uh, you know, is the, is the Capitals' time now? I mean, I'm I'm hoping to see I'm I'm hoping to see these Las Vegas Knights in in the finals. Honestly, going to another going to the other side, I really want to see these Vegas Knights. Just just the I want to see honestly I want to see Vegas Knights against the Pittsburgh Penguins. I want to see Flurry versus his old team. Oh, I I'd like to see that too. I'd like to see. I'd like to see the Golden Knights make the Stanley Cup regardless, just for the simple fact that, look, this is good for hockey, no matter what people north of the border say. And it's, it's a good feel-good story. You're talking the, an expansion team here, Zach, a team that 16 months ago didn't even have a name. They didn't have an identity. They were, you know, and then there was so much grief and criticism given to the league for granting Las Vegas an expansion team ahead of Quebec, uh, you know, ahead of a team in Canada. The fans have turned out. The team has been really damn good. Your old GM in Washington, George McPhee, has done a stellar, stellar job building a team that, that right now is a Stanley Cup contender. I mean, they, they've swept a damn good Kings team, and they made it look simple. Uh, I'd love to see them make the Stanley Cup. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, a Penguins night Stanley Cup. Our fan base is already split as it is about Murray versus Flurry. Uh, you know, I, I can't imagine seeing those two play each other in the Stanley Cup. It'd just be, I mean, our fan base is already split. It'd be even more so with that one. And it, it just, to me, it is tough to root against Marc-Andre Flurry. at my perspective. He's one of my all-time favorite Penguins. Uh, so it, it'd be tough to see from that perspective because I got to root for my pens. But, man, do I, I, I sure would like to see Flurry win another cup too. Yeah, I, I would – I would love to see the Pens win one in in my uh, in my lifetime. Speaking about winning one, we're gonna. I'm I'm sorry. I'm jumping all over the place here, but I want to move to baseball. Yeah, jump around. <laughs> jump because, around. Jump around. Go ahead. Because my two teams, my two home teams, are sucking. They are not doing that great. My two home teams, obviously, the Baltimore Orioles and the Washington Nats. My Orioles, well, not my Orioles, but the Orioles, uh, can't seem to hit the damn ball other than Manny. And yeah. Manny's, and I feel like Manny's going to be trade bait at, at the All-Star break. Because God knows the Orioles aren't going to pay him $400 million or $300 million for however, however much he wants. Because I've noticed that the ownership just doesn't, like to give out big contracts other than Chris Davis. And you know what? Honestly, that Chris Davis uh, contract is, is, is coming to bite us in the ass. 100% of it. I mean, and even at the time, let's be honest, Chris Davis was a guy when they signed him in hindsight that I mean, he had a great, he had a couple of great years with Baltimore before they re-signed him. But this is a guy who, let's be honest, Zach was a career 186 hitter before they gave him, you know, he burst out in Baltimore for those two years. I mean, they, they paid him like a superstar, and I've always considered Chris Davis a good player, a solid player. Obviously, the power is very real, but, uh, you know, he's not, to me, a guy that's worth $20 million a season like they gave him. Um, and like you said, Manny Machado, man, I'm going to tell you right now, if, he get, if when he gets away, uh, that's going to set your franchise back. And believe me, I, I, just, I don't want to see the Baltimore Orioles <laughs> minus Machado. It's a frightening sight because not only are they not hitting the baseball, their pitching sucks too. Their pitching has just been just, just absolutely dreadful to watch. I, I will agree. I will agree. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of bright spots with uh, with Dylan Bundy is 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 coming having a coming out party. His his record doesn't show it, but his ERA and strikeouts to walk ratio. 
is showing it that he's he knows what he's doing. I'm and I'm looking forward to hopefully Alex Cobb getting a little bit better because he didn't have a full spring training. Like he really did not have a full spring training. And I want him to 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 do well in an Orioles uniform. I really do. And then Andrew Kashner has been doing decently. Not gonna say he's been doing amazing, but he's been doing pretty decently. The problems I see right now are the bullpen. And usually the Orioles have a great bullpen, but I've noticed that the bullpen's been giving up a lot of runs and our quote star players, our star pitchers aren't doing what they used to do last year. Like like uh Kevin Gossman. Kevin Gossman's I mean his last his last game I believe he did a little bit he did pretty decent. And he lost two to one, so it was like it was like a real hard. It was against the Indians. Uh, it was it was a two to one loss, and it was like he had like eight strikeouts, and I think he had like two walks or something like that. Right. And he did well, but it was just like he can't get a win for his damn life right now. See, that's and where I mentioned that the, the starting the pitching has been shaky. You brought up a good point about Dylan Bundy. I think he he looks like now. Granted, it's it's not even May yet, Zach. I mean, it's we're we're barely through. Uh, a month and a half of the season. I mean, maybe a little bit less. I mean, we're we're barely we're under thirty games into the season. It's it's way too premature to say you know good bad. I would hit the panic button yet. But I will say Dylan Bundy, and we saw glimpses of this last year. Looks like he finally has turned the corner and become the pitcher we all knew he was. We all suspected he was going to be from the jump. Um, Gossman, I mean. Gossman has shown glimpses. Gossman, one game looks great. The next game looks a little shaky, and he has been bit with bad luck. Simple reality, though. I mean, like you said, with Cobb, maybe when he shakes the spring training, lost off. And like you said, being besides the damn late, he didn't get a long extended spring training like the other cats did. You might be you might be on to a respectable pitching staff. As for the bullpen, I mean, how much did that do to the loss of Zach Britton? How much would Zach Britton be a help right now, in your opinion? Oh man! Uh, if we could stay ahead in games, it would be a great help. It would be. It would be. It'd, it'd do good for you guys. And then you know the bullpen. I mean, you have Britain there. Britain's your natural closer that allows you to move O'Day uh, back into his setup role, which is where he should be. Um, you know, you've got some other pitchers there that really almost are typecast. And you know, I know my my mentality is anybody can get three outs <laughs> in an inning. Uh, which is why I think a closer is oftentimes grotesquely overrated. But some people are not even set to be that. Some people are better off being. Some people are better off being the the, the, the placeholder kicker for the show. You know, some people are better off holding the kick than they are kicking the football. And I think that may be the case with Darren O'Day and some of the other pitchers out of the bullpen uh, with the with the Orioles, which not having Zach Britton sort of forces their hand and makes them change things around. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully Britton comes back sooner rather than later because I feel like he's one of those keys to the bullpen because everyone's in their weird spots right now. And, uh, again, like, as long as the starting pitching can get through, through like, you know, six or seven innings, I feel like they could be in a good spot without giving up four or five runs. Because, again, our ba- the, the, the Orioles' bats are not hitting. They're not. And it's this, and, not, and again, I'm not like a huge Nats fan, but it looks like the same way with the Nats. They're missing Daniel Murphy, and they're hurt right. because of it. Well, for the Orioles' perspective, I mean, real quick, and then I'll switch to the Nats here. From the Orioles' perspective, you know, the big problem with your lineup is you've got a lot of the same players in there. You've got, you know, Chris Davis, who is a, a, a swing and miss type of guy. He's either going to hit it 500 feet or go down swinging in three. That's Mark Trumbo, too, ain't it? I mean, it's, it's been Mark Trumbo's big MO his entire career. And, by the way, neither are defensive players. Both should probably be designated hitter. Um, Mancini I like. I mean, I like Mancini, but he's another one here. He'll have stretches to where he goes invisible. Um, but as for your Nationals, I, I, I like you said, is the Murphy loss that big for them to where they just look like a complete shell of what they were? I, I, I think that's one of the parts, but also I think it's just because – and I'm I'm going to attribute weather to a lot of things because it's been obnoxiously cold for the start of the season. And I guess no one's heating up, you know, pun intended, 
as much, other than Mike Trout and Bryce Harper and Manny. Yeah, yeah. And Mookie Betts. Yeah, yeah. Guys that are naturally going to hit, you know, naturally good, which actually brings me to a good point, too, is for Harper. Um, and, and granted, I think this is going to right itself. I think this national team's too talented in it, it all, all facets of the game. I think they've got a very good lineup. I think they've got a good pitching rotation. I think they're one of the deeper teams in the National League East, which, by the way, is uh, probably one of the worst divisions in baseball. But uh, to me, though, what the Nationals do this year is so important because this is his walk here, Harper's walk here. And, I mean, there's a lot of talks. He's going to want three, $400 million. Uh, and I think the Nationals are willing to give it to him. The question is, can they motivate him to stay? Because let's be honest, there's a lure of playing at home in L.A. There's been rumors of him playing with the Cubs. Uh, I mean, to me, I think the Nationals have to have a – I think they have to do more than status quo that they've done the last few years in order, in order to entice this guy to say, look, we're going to be a World Series contender for years to come. We're not just content winning the National League East. We're going to be a World Series contender to come. I think that's what Harper's going to want in order to stick around. I got you on that. And going back to, real quick, going back to uh, hockey, the Bruins have just beaten uh, the Maple Leafs to go into the second round against the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's going to be an interesting matchup. I mean, you know, Tampa, Toronto, hats off to them, man. I, I know I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm supposed to be a little bit unbiased here. Um, but obviously a lot of people were rooting for Toronto after what happened in the tragedy, uh, tragedy a couple days ago. Uh, but let me tell you, this Maple Leaf team has a very bright future. They've got a lot of young talent, guys like uh, you know, guys like Austin Matthews, who by the way is a Scottsdale native here in Arizona. I mean, he he's the next big thing. They've just got a very good team. You'll be seeing them a lot, lot more in playoffs for years to come. But that Tampa Boston game, Zach, that's going to be a freaking slugfest. I think Tampa's very, very quick. They're very athletic. They're a very good scoring team. But man, can Boston grind it out with the best of them? Uh, I, I again. I'm not that much of a uh, of a of a hockey dude, but I, I will not disagree with you because I know you know your sports. Oh, much appreciated, my brother. Much appreciated. Hey, what are you what are you able to talk about? And I know you're you're limited on what you're able to talk about in wrestling, but let me take this moment to quick give a quick plug out. Big event coming up this Friday night in Saudi Arabia, only on the WWE Network. If you have not got it yet, it is nine ninety nine a month. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, you can get a cut. You can get a free month. Just go to WWE Network and sign up. Get that free month and watch this pay per view. Because let me tell you, this is this is a card that is looking as good as WrestleMania did a few weeks ago. Uh, you got the 50 man over the top rope battle royal. You got Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns, part number three. Uh, you know, in a this time in a steel cage. You've got John Cena, Triple H, uh, two two living legends of the business. Uh, you know, so to me, it's definitely worth watching. It'll be this Friday. Get the WWE Network now and check it out. Cheap plug. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Nod, nod, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more, say nudge. no more. <laughs> it, uh, um, you, go ahead. I don't, I don't want to go really, really, really in-depth, but I like the card. Um, I'm going to be, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a fan whether Somebody it works or for people or not, um, um, I enjoy it. I haven't been watching uh, due to the fact that I just don't have cable. Uh, I've been trying to catch up on other uh, forms of of viewing uh, methods, but I, I unfortunately have not been able to. I've been uh, just I've just been reading the, the results and seeing like what's going on. But wait, you mean you've been living life? You mean you've had this little thing called a life outside of uh, professional wrestling, MMA, and sports? God forbid, yeah. Zach. God forbid you got to live life. I mean, your life should be. And I'm just being sarcastic, obviously, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. But <laughs> I mean, it is tough to keep track of because there are so many, so much great stuff going on, not just here in the United States in wrestling, but we've seen a renaissance of Japanese wrestling, specifically New Japan. So mm-hmm. there's so much stuff to keep track of uh, that it's it's almost hard to keep keep notch of all that's going on, so completely understandable. I know one thing that we can keep track of that we it's easy to keep track of, and that is the greatness that was Bruno San Martino passed mm-hmm. away at the age of 82 uh, last week. And I'll tell you what, Bruno, you look back at this guy's career, and 
the fact that he was only 82 years old, I mean, now that's, that's you know, a good, long, productive life. But 82, keep this in mind, Ric Flair just turned 70. <laughs> and as of 2013, Ric Flair was still wrestling matches. Bruno San Martino passed at 82, and he, he, he'd been out of the business. I don't think he'd wrestled a match since 1986, 87. I mean, this guy walked away at the peak of his career. But let me tell you what a career it was. This guy sold out Madison Square Garden, I believe, what, 198 times, 200 times, some, which is huge. And, and it's funny to see all these people now putting Bruno San Martino in their, in their, um, in their Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling. Zach, you've known me a while. I've always had Bruno in my top four because without Bruno, I mean, he was really the first larger-than-life superstar in the WWF slash WWF slash WWE. Without Bruno, there is no Hulk Hogan, there is no Steve Austin, there is no Rock, John Cena. Bruno was the one that kicked the door down and really helped lay the groundwork for WWE slash whatever you want to call it then to become the mainstream phenomenon that it is today. I, I have to I have to agree with you on that. Um, uh, my uncle actually was the the uh, head of the Baltimore chapter of the Bruno San Martino fan club, and he got to get into the ring with Bruno when they came to the Civic Center one time, and he's he said he has a picture, and and we hadn't been able to find it, and it's just like wow, that's kind of cool. That is cool. What a great experience that had to be for your uncle, man. I mean, Bruno San Martino. Now you know I'm from Pittsburgh or in that, that vicinity, and uh, Bruno, even to this day, was still a guy that was held in very high esteem in the city of Pittsburgh. One of those guys I wish I could have met, and he's a guy I'll put in. You know, and I know people say, "Well, wrestling isn't a sport." Kiss my ass, yeah, it is. You, you guys do what those guys do, and uh, do it for as long as Bruno didn't tell me it's not at least some sort of some sort of spot, some sort of sport behind it, but. Bruno, to this day, is, is an icon of Pittsburgh. He's one of the all-time great athletes to ever call Pittsburgh home. And uh, suffice to say, he will be long missed in the business that uh, he helped put on the map. And think about how, how impactful he was, Zach. As you mentioned, your uncle got to meet him. There was a Bruno San Martino fan club in Baltimore, which you know the rivalry between Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Anything in Pittsburgh is considered uh, next, to, next, to, next to Donald Trump and a Republican Democrat household which is not good, <laughs> not good. Um, and, no, I'm not trying to go political there. But uh, this guy, though, not only that, held the belt for seven years in a row. Think about that, Zach. Seven years in a row. We're in an era now where Zach, where Brock Lesnar is going on year he, – he's going on over year one. He just passed the one-year mark, the 365-day mark, and people are losing their fucking minds. You know, Le Bruno held the belt for seven years in a row. And people could not wait for more. People cried when he lost the belt to, uh, to Ivan Koloff. They cried. They rioted. <laughs> That's how much of an impact this guy had. Yeah, it, it's, it's amazing how, how good of a life you've seen. You see through the eyes of, like, a television. And then just to, like, see what kind of impact he's had, like, you know, Bruno had on wrestling and just even sports in general. Like, even in entertainment. Like, I don't know if you heard the story, but Bruno Mars, he uses the name Bruno due to Bruno San Martino. That's right. I saw that tweet. Great point. You know, I mean, and think about this. Bruno Mars, now granted, I'm not, I'm not hip-hop big, big in terms of who's who and what's what. I do know Bruno Mars, but he, he's... I don't think he's that damn old, is he? I think Bruno's only in his mid-20s, ain't he? I mean, he's still relatively young. I, I believe so. I don't think he is that old. Uh, yeah, I think he's only like 20-something, if I'm not mistaken. So, so he, he uses the name Bruno after a guy that <laughs> he wasn't even born when Bruno was at, it, was at wrestling, let alone at his best. That's how, I mean, so the fact that this guy has still had a cultural impact 20, 30 years after he last wrestled, that that's something you don't see much anymore. I, I doubt you'll ever see much of again. Bruno Mars is 32 years old. 32, so he's a little bit older than I anticipated. So 32, by mathematics, that's 1986. We last saw Bruno. Uh, we last saw Bruno in the ring for the WWF, WWF at least at WrestleMania two in that Battle Royal, which was 1986. So <laughs> Sam Martino hadn't wrestled since. 
you know, since freaking uh, Bruno Mars was a baby. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. That's just, I don't know, it's just amazing, like, how how much stuff, like, what, what something can, what am I trying to say? How Somebody can have such a cultural impact. Yeah, 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 there you go. Thank you for the for the help there. <laughs> hey, I've known you for what, nine to eight eight, nine years now. I, I sort of figure out what you're saying by now, even though half the time I can't figure out what I'm saying. Go figure. <laughs> True. But what what else do we need to talk about? Let's see. Uh oh, we we got the NFL draft coming up tomorrow. I mean, obviously you're a big uh you're a big Baltimore Ravens guy. They pick at six. They pick at sixteen. I'm a, a pretty diehard Miami Dolphins fan. Also, dig to my uh, L.A. Rams. So, uh, you know, we got to talk about the draft. Obviously, Cleveland's on the clock right now. Going to go number one. Probably taking a quarterback. Uh, yet we've heard every speculated name that's a quarterback thrown out there, other than Josh Rosen. One minute it's Sam Darnold. One minute it's uh, one minute it's Josh Allen. Now there's talk that they're going to take Baker Mayfield. I think it's fair to say the Browns are taking a quarterback number one overall, but the question is, Zach, will this quarterback fare any better than the Brandon Whedons or the Colt McCoys or the Brady Quinns or the, the Sean Kaisers? I mean, or is it same old shit, different day for for, the, for this franchise? I mean, see, you know, again, not the hugest football fan here, but uh, seeing the moves that they have made, uh, they're gearing up for something big. They really are, I feel. Um, the Ravens as well. The Ravens have made some pretty decent moves. I mean, the, the most recent, they, they offered Willie Sneed a contract. And that's uh, helping out a receiving core that isn't the most amazing. Yeah, they, they need they need some help. They needed some help at the receiving core. You, you gave the nice answer to it. I'll say it. Their receiving core was a bit of a, a, bit of a stick in the ass for them, and Willie Sneed who, by the way, the Saints refused to match the offer. So now uh, Snead is officially a Raven. Big-time help for them. The guy's a big play receiver. I mean, he's not a number one per se, but he's a guy that will get you eight. He is between seven, 800 yards and your six, seven touchdowns, which for Baltimore would be a huge step in the right direction. Yep. I'm I'm kind of hoping that the Ravens draft uh, D.J. Moore. I really want to see him in, in – I really want to see him in in, a, in some purple. And I think he yeah. said he wants to, to – Stick around the area too. So, oh, that'd be a good pick for you guys. I like DJ Moore a lot. I think he is a good. I think he's another one that he may never be a number one per se, but I think he'll be a fringe number one, very good, you know, number two receiver that'll get you a thousand yards. And look, the, the concept of a number one receiver. Some could argue Julian Edelman's not a number one in New England. It doesn't matter if the quarterback's good. And I think what you need to do is put. Joe Flacco in a position to continue to succeed because let's be honest, he's getting up there. He's getting up there in the years. I mean, he's at the point in his career where he's now just in the you know the prime years. So you need to uh, you know stack him up and give him some playmaking weapons to throw the football to because yeah, you don't have many of them now. <laughs> I'll agree on that. And then uh, you know my Dolphins. I mean, <laughs> Zach, I, you, you, what you said about the Browns? It's been you know they've been building up for something good. I don't have the faintest, foggiest clue what the hell it is the Dolphins have done or what they're doing this offseason. I know they've, they've made one move I like and I get, and that's getting Robert Quinn. Uh, you know, I think cutting Sue, yeah, it saved them cap money, but not as much as many people thought. I mean, they, they're going to take a $22 million cap hit over the next two years, nine of it this year and then the remainder of it next year to get rid of the guy. And no, his numbers didn't jump out on the books. But if you look at uh, several uh, pro football talk graded him a 91, fourth best interior defensive lineman in football last year. Maybe he didn't get a ton of sacks. Maybe he didn't get a bunch of tackles. But it's kind of hard to be effective when you've got three people blocking you, and that's what Sue had on a regular routine basis. So uh, that was terrible. The whole bullshit with Jarvis Landry was embarrassing. Uh, you know, this guy's been their, their best receiver. I don't care if he's a 1, a 2, a 69, or a 50, 553. The guy was a good receiver that constantly caught the football. He was consistent. He was reliable. And and to to, to trade him for a fourth and a seventh, what the fuck is Mike Tannenbaum thinking? I mean, and, and this whole culture change nonsense that Adam Gase is preaching, I, I'm not even going to tell you what I think that, that really means, Zach. But suffice to say, it makes me sick to think that we've got that kind of head coach in there because 
that screams, oh, 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 fuck it, I'm going to come right out and say it. This culture change bullshit that, that they're preaching they want in Miami is borderline racist. It's borderline disgusting because, you know, you're looking at three three outspoken African-American gentlemen who, by the way, played their asses off when the, when the game started. I was never the biggest Sioux fan. I think he was dirty at times. But the guy played his ass off. Landry played his ass off. Jay and Jai played his ass off. They were a little bit outspoken. And they get traded for pennies on the dollar and or cut because they have bad attitudes. Bullshit. It's called having passion. And, you know, if it's a white player saying it, if it's passion, if it's an African-American, it's attitude. Yeah, welcome to welcome to racism 101. Kiss my fucking ass. Sorry. Yeah, hey, you are passionate about your dolphins. I know that. And you just, you, ahead, you, have, you have the, you have a somewhat of a platform to tell them how you feel. And Exactly. It just, it just pisses thank you. Thank you for that by the way. It just it just pisses me off, though, Zach, because this is a team I've been a fan of since 1983. Uh, you know, it's been difficult to watch for a while. I mean, you know, I've seen a 10-year run that was brutal. I mean, from they had that nice – and let's be honest, it's it's been a little longer than 10 years, too, realistically. It's been ever since Dave Wanstead and Jay Feely were sent out of town. Jay, Jay Feely were sent out of town. Uh, you know, I witnessed a 1-15 season under Cam Cameron. Uh, I saw the one brief renaissance under Tony Sperano and the Wildcats. But beyond that, you've got two playoff appearances in, in, since 2006. Uh, you know, you, you finally seem to have a core that turned the table, though, last year. Last year wasn't a fluke. It wasn't a mirage. I think this team was legitimately good. I think they had legitimate talent. And I think they had legitimate talent to, to possibly continue growing. Uh, you know, yeah, they, they weren't so hot last year, but that's because, by the way, passionate Jay Cutler was our starting quarterback. Passionate, by the way, he's an asshole. He's always been an asshole that feuded with his teammates and was all about his stats. He's passionate, though. Adam Gase loves him, but, you know, <laughs> uh, Sue was a problem child. Landry was a problem child. Yeah, and again, I digress. Uh, you know, it, it, they finally had pieces in place. And who's to say that they bring a healthy Ryan Tannehill, an actual quarterback back in 2018, they're not in the playoffs again. Instead, we're going to strip these players away because they have attitude they're bad for the locker room, according to Adam Gase and the, the shitty front office. And now the Dolphins are probably going to be the worst team in the NFL next year again, and they have very little hope for the future. So it, it just pisses me off to see a team that finally seemed to have the window turn, only to have that stripped away because of an egomaniac fucking idiot head coach that, that wants everybody to be yes or no, sir. Welcome to 2018, Gase. These people are, these people are employees that, that have personalities. Maybe they don't mesh with yours, but uh, you know what? <laughs> People don't mesh with Bill Belichick all the time either, and guess what? He makes it work. That's what good coaches do. Mm-hmm. Oh, I will uh, 100% agree with you on that statement. But other than that, I mean, it's been, you know, sports, like I said, baseball, my Diamondbacks are playing fairly well, although I think they lost tonight. They were losing 8-6. I couldn't tolerate watching it anymore because people were bitching online. Plus, I had this thing to do with you that took precedence. Haven't done this in a while. You said let's do it. I said, hey, you don't got to tug my arm twice. Uh, but other than that, I mean, we got the basketball playoffs. It's a good time to be a sports fan, man. Good time to be a sports fan. Your 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 D backs lost to the Phillies five to three. Uh, you know, going back to going back to 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 baseball real quick. The Phillies have 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 uh, surprised me. Yeah, they got the, the only person I can tell you who's on who's on the team is Jake Arrieta, but. But god darn, like they've been doing really well. Yeah, that that's that's what you call though that's a team that has a lot of uh you know, a lot of young kids that finally seem to be stepping forward. Uh Aaron Athier, Althier hit a home run tonight, two run jack or three run jack off of Zach Granke. Um, you know, that's a young team that was coached up, these kids were given an opportunity to play and suffer through their lumps and uh, now they're better off as a result of it. And, you know, you're getting Jake Arrieta made your pitching staff tons better. Aaron Knoll is a good pitcher. Uh, you know, Vince Velasquez has shown. I mean, this team's pretty deep. And also, as I said about the Nationals, they play in a division where, let's be honest, I mean, it's it's pretty wide open. It's pretty wide open. The Mets are red hot, but they're going to come back to earth. I mean, so, I mean, Billy's impressing me so far, but I think it's years in the making for him. 
No, oh, yeah, it, it, it's got to be at least a little bit. Um, but the uh, yeah, and, and going back to baseball, you know, going sticking with baseball real quick, the uh, the Braves with the uh, with the call up of uh, of uh, Ronald Acuna. Oh yeah, I'll tell you what that team. If these prospects all take off like expected, how you doing? If these prospects all take off like they're expected to. And we're already seeing it with Ozzy Albies, who's having a phenomenal season as a rookie. Uh, this team is going to be scary good for years to come. Acuna is a Acuna to me is a five-tool talent. Uh, to me, he's a guy that can be a thirty homer, thirty thirty steals, a guy that hits in the high twos. Uh, that's MVP caliber. Plus, he plays good defense. Uh, Albies, you know, is hitting the baseball. I mean, they've got a lot of young talent that is bustling to to break through and. Give their previous administration credit. Now, what's funny because their old GM's banned for life from baseball. He's one of, what, five people that's banned for life. But he yeah. did a phenomenal job building up a hell of a talented farm system. Uh, and they, they played the game proper. Though what they did is they, they signed these cheap, under-the-radar uh, free agents that were low-risk, high-reward signings. When they panned out, they flipped them for, for talented prospects. And they built themselves up a pretty good-looking future. Now, granted, prospects, you know... For every for every Mike Trout that pans out, there's a dozen uh, there's a dozen that don't. You know, there's a dozen Brian Bouchiers. And if you ask me who that is, I'll just say look up Baseball America 2010. He was considered the prize of the Diamondbacks farm system, while some kid by the name of Goldschmidt was expected to be a uh, a, a good, decent home run bat off the bench that uh, doesn't yeah. hit for enough average to start. <laughs> but uh, prospects sometimes don't always pan out. But uh, I'm going to tell you though, these these prospects had such a high ceiling that if they all do. Look out! Look out! Yeah, it's 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 amazing how baseball can is is. I feel like it's regrowing again, but at the same time, like with if you just look at like the stands and whatnot, and we're not talking about the Yankees, and we're not talking about the Dodgers, and we're not talking about uh, who's got the great great fan bases: the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Sox, the the Cubs, the Rangers. All the stadiums are empty. That's sad. That's sad. I mean, and I'm going to get on my own fan base here in Arizona, man. The other night was Archie Bradley bobblehead doll night, all right, which is, you know, bobblehead dolls are, are always a hot ticket. I got a text at 10 30 in the morning offering tickets for $10 a tip spot. Why is that? Why is that? Now, it's great for the fans that, you know, I can't afford it, I can't afford it, you know, which – Baseball tickets are some of the cheapest you'll get, but fans are not going to the game, and it kind of it kind of concerns me because uh, they've done Rob Manfield's done everything in his humane power to try to make the game more fan friendly, yet they're still not turning up. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you on that. I mean, the last baseball, uh, honestly, the last baseball game I was at was probably Jesus, like two years ago, maybe down in uh, Baltimore at Camden. Yeah, Camden, yeah. I wish you'd have come out here during that week when the D-backs were in town. You'd have had an, we'd have had an experience at the game, but you're you're a couple hours away from Tampa right now. You're like uh, two hours away. I'm about an hour and a half away from Tampa and about four from about four from Miami uh, and about, I believe, five from Atlanta. Okay. So you you'd have to take a little bit of a hike to go to a <laughs> go to a game, um, yeah. but yeah, that's just it's one of those things though. Is games are so much better live than in, in person than on TV. I mean, I can't stress that enough. Games in person, it's a different world, man. It is a different world. You get to see the ambiance of the ballpark. You get to see the strategy play out. Even though Rob Manfred tried to strip strategy away from the game, it is a it is a game that. And it is the one sport to where you can share tales with your grandparents about, and they'll they'll be able to pull you aside and talk to you about when Mickey Mantle played, or when uh, you know when when Roger Maris hit sixty one homers, or heck, if you if you're old enough, you may have a great grandfather that'll be able to talk to you about Babe Ruth or Ty Cobb. Well, maybe not Ty Cobb because, but you catch my drift. I mean, baseball yeah. is a sport that lasts for generations, and you can't really say that about the NFL. You can't really say that about the NBA. You, you can, but not as much as baseball, you know, not as much as baseball. You can't sit there. It's cool to sit there and divulge on uh, how, how uh, to, to speculate on how well 
LeBron James would have played against Michael Jordan. It's not as fun as speculating whether, you know, uh, whether whether Bryce Harper would hit a 500-foot homer or get, go out in three straight pitches against, uh, you know, against Bob Gibson or against mm-hmm. uh, Whitey Ford or against, you know, some of the great pitchers of all time. Against Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox, exactly. Even a more recent one, you know. I just wish people would go out to the ball games more because they are the most affordable ticket. It is the best. It is the absolute best sport to watch live. And I say that because I played, but it is the best sport to watch live. And, uh, you know, you get the experience that you don't get at many other, many other sporting events. I, I will, I will definitely agree with you on that. I mean, uh, the, the best sport, uh, you know, and we're, we're going to die. You're going to, we're going to dive into, I want to go into your best sporting experience. And, and this one will always be ingrained in my head because huh? I, woke up, I woke up at 4 a.m. to do this. I got free t- My dad got free tickets to Lambeau Field. Oh. Free tickets. Lambeau Field against the Redskins. Brett Favre's last year as a, as a, as a Packer. And we got free skyboxes. Cool. Yeah, I've got, I've got pictures on Facebook somewhere. And it was just like it was so cool because everyone was so nice and so pleasant and best damn brat I've ever had. That's that's an experience I want to go through. And I said you can't really share the same mentality in baseball that you do in football. But let me tell you, Green Bay is the one area I think that may you know may that's the one experience I think that you could probably rank up there with going to checking out a baseball game live is going to Lambeau Field just because. That is all they have in Green Bay. Green Bay is the ultimate small-town team, the small mm-hmm. market team. And, I mean, Green Bay, honestly, God, I think there's suburbs of – I mean, I live in a suburb of Phoenix that, that is three times as big as Green Bay, probably mm-hmm. more in Mesa. When you lived in Baltimore, I mean, Mesa's not bigger than Glen Burnie, is it? When you lived in Baltimore, I mean, it's not bigger than Glen Burnie. I don't even think it's bigger than Kissimmee in, in Florida. Probably I mean, this not. This is the ultimate small town. Yet they love their team, and it's it's just that's an amazing experience. You're lucky to have said you went through that, man. Yeah, I've also been able to go to uh, Wrigley Field. Uh, yeah, but I, had, but I had heat stroke. Oh, you got heat stroke at Wrigley? Yeah, it was like it was like August, and I was puking my brains out. So that was fun. Oh, are you sure it was heat stroke, or you didn't eat something that, that <laughs> you didn't eat something that, that already didn't agree with you? Nah, nah, I'm pretty sure it was heat, like heat related. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, those are phenomenal experiences, though. The Wrigley, I've actually had the benefit of saying that's one of my top. I'd have to say one of my top sporting moments was getting to see opening day at Wrigley Field. Uh, just getting to see a game at Wrigley. There are the holy chapels of baseball. Uh, Fenway and Wrigley are the last two. It was Yankee was a third, but that's now been replaced. I mean, it's what a phenomenal experience it is watching a baseball game there because it's such a even though the Cubs have been the shits over, you know, they've been, they were the lovable losers for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's still, that's a ballpark where there were so many memories to be had. And uh, it was just a fun time to, fun time to watch a game there. Oh, yes, I, I do agree. Well, I'm going to say we can start, uh, if you, if we don't have anything else to talk about, we can start wrapping up. We've, we've hit an, our hour, uh, our hour yeah. time. And I'm hoping we can do this again on our other uh, our other talk platform, so we can get it out to more public people. That's right. But well, you know, it, it, it was fun. It was fun to do the dry run. Yeah, it was a little. You know, this was totally impromptu. This was total spur of the moment. So if I stumbled and bumbled, I apologize. Uh, we'll try to make it. I'll try to make it better next time. Um, but. Man, I got to tell you though, it was definitely a blast to be on here with you again, Zach. I mean, uh, some of the best times in radio I've had were with uh, with you and Bruno on here, and uh, it's damn good to be back on here doing it again and having a good time and actually enjoying myself on air rather than being stifled by business models and other BS, you know, and other garbage. But uh, we can promise you, folks, it's not going to be two and a half years before we come back. I mean, it's might might not be next week. Maybe it will. Who knows? All you got to do is tell you, stay tuned and. Uh, Keep following Zach and I on Facebook, and uh, we will let you know when we're coming back. But, again, it'll be much, much sooner than later. And, by the way, my favorite memory going to a national title game. Go ahead, in basketball. Go ahead, Doe. 
And with that, I believe we are out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for Zach Harris, I am Jay Pagliaro. This has been Work and Shoot, the dry run. We're back, baby. We'll see you soon. We're here, and we ain't going anywhere. See you again. See you. Thank <laughs> you.